0: LifePoint Church, how you guys doing today? Come on, you glad you came to church this morning? It's a joy to have all of you with us today. I want to say a big welcome again, like Stephanie did, to all of our first-time guests, as well as everyone joining us online and at our Austin P. State University campus, as well as those in Arizona. We're so thankful in Chandler, Arizona, for what the Lord is doing, and we're just glad to be one church in a lot of places. Hey, LifePoint, can we give it up for our whole church family and our guests today? Come on, welcome, welcome. Thank you, as always, for... Uh, being a generous church, I want to say thank you for that. Every week, I get to sign uh, first-time giver letters, and uh, it is every week I get to do that, sometimes between 6 to 10, or I've signed as many as 20 in a week, and I just want to say thank you for entrusting your generosity here, and uh, your giving is making a difference. We don't take it lightly when you give to Life Point Church, when you serve here, when you're on a team, but I want to let you know that we're committed to stewarding the financial resources of our church well. No matter how you give, just know that we have great checks and balances. We live and lead on a budget. We have an amazing church board who keeps a watchful eye on all of the finances of our church as well as an amazing finance team who manage it well. Great missions pastor and outreach director who do a great job of curating our partnerships with missionaries and church planters and other organizations. Your giving helps make a difference, not just here, but outside of here as well. Uh, in fact, you're giving Help Make Serve Day a huge success yesterday. We had 36 projects going in Clarksville, Montgomery County area, and over 350 people showed up to participate. Projects including a community outreach event with with Loaves and Fishes, with YAPACs. We were serving widows, local organizations, and so many more. Uh, last year, serving was up with all of our serve days, 88% from the year before, and it's continuing to grow. And so it's always an honor to serve our city, and your generosity continues to help make that Happen. Hey, I do want to challenge you with a thought. I recently heard a leader, a pastor, talk about since the pandemic, most churches uh, aren't passing buckets anymore. And we haven't really either. I think we kind of got out of that habit, and all of the giving in our church is mostly done digitally, online, on the app, or sent through the mail. And one of the things that we lost from that is your kids watching you put something in an offering plate. You guys remember when you're younger, your kids would watch you do that, and they'd even say, Hey, give me something to put in the offering. Remember them days? Well, we've lost that. And so I wanna, I, I'm wrestling through the question, you know, of how do we train that up in our kids again? And how do we show them? How, do you, how many of you know a lot of things that we do in our family is caught, not taught, right? So we're a church that believes in tithing. We, te- we teach that we bring the first 10% of our income to the Lord, that was God's plan. And uh, I, I wanna challenge you, if you can, make it a point to talk about this as a family. Talk about it with your kids, talk about it regularly. And In fact, teach your children the disciplines and behaviors of this Christian faith in, and particularly the things you do with church. Why do we get up early on Sundays? Why do we get ready to come to the whichever service we, why do we stay late to serve? Why do we give and teach these things to your family? Talk about it as a couple, talk about it in your family and with others. Uh, in fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, right after Moses has given the law and the expectations for God's people, I want you to see this, Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses seven through nine, after giving the law, after giving the love God with all you are, are, love other people, Moses says, you shall teach these things diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, talk about them when you walk by the way, talk about them when you lie down and even when you rise. In other words, Moses is telling the people of God, like make living for God something you talk about, something that's normal, something you teach your kids. Can I hear an amen, everybody? He says, bind them on a, as a sign on your hand. If you want a tattoo on your hand, come on, get this right here. Get this, I'm gonna live for God every day right there on your hand. And then when you punch somebody, it'll slow down your punch a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> put them as frontlets between your eyes and, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I think what Moses is trying to teach us is normalize normal Christian living. No, like if we're gonna live for God, we're gonna normalize it, we're gonna talk about it with our kids. Don't let your giving be something you just do on the app, cause oh man, I forgot. Like bring your family into that and teach them. And I'm telling you, it's just, it's an honor to watch uh, y- our young people. We got some amazing teenagers, a bunch of them, a couple hundred almost going to camp this summer and, and they're watching you parents and they're growing watching you and the future of our church is really bright. Uh, and the, the best way I can tell you that that's true is I, I look at our students and I look at our kid point and our church has a bright, bright future but all the things that you want them to grow into, I want to encourage you to teach them and talk about it at home in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. All right, today we're continuing. Uh, Thank you for your generosity. By the way, my name's Mike. I get to serve here as pastor of the church with Stephanie and our team. It's amazing to serve you and what an honor. We're continuing in the Book of Acts series and we're in the Book of Acts chapter 13. We're halfway through the book. Can you believe that? Uh, Halfway, well, actually we're almost halfway through. (laughs) But we started this series a year ago on Easter And I've titled the message today. If you guys can um, help me there, I I got my slides out of order. I've titled the message, Keep On Keeping On. And since you brought your Bibles again, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. While you're turning there, I want to challenge you to stay with us in this series, in the book of Acts. Read the whole book of Acts again. In fact, now that we're coming up on a year in this series, take take a week, take a couple days, and just reacquaint yourself with the whole story of the early church. Uh, Some of your Bibles calls it the Acts of the Apostles. That's actually the name of the book fully And we've seen thousands of people in this book so far come to faith in Jesus. It's the beginning of this church movement, lots of miracles, leaders being raised up left and right, and and called out to serve and do great things for God. I wanna encourage you to read again what's happened in the early church and ask the Lord, God, would you do those things in us as well? With great crowds came great pressure and persecution. The apostles in the book so far, we've seen they've been arrested, they've been beaten, persecuted. Some of them have even been martyred. And I'll be honest with you, as I've read through the book of Acts and I'm preaching through it, I'm challenged with my devotion to Jesus. I'm challenged with our commitment as a church, as I'm leading our church and pastoring. I'm I'm, I'm wondering, are we doing faith the way they did faith in the book of Acts? Are we doing faith the way God calls us to do faith? I'm challenged with whether or not I'm willing to suffer for my faith. If I'm being really transparent, I think uh, being a Christian today doesn't cost us a ton. It's kind of comfortable, especially in this part of the United States. It's somewhat of a cultural reality, but I'm asking myself questions as I'm reading about these great leaders and great Christians and and normal, regular, just church attenders in the book of Acts. Has it cost me anything to follow Christ? Has it cost me anything to be a Christian? Does it anymore to live as a pastor and to give my life to ministry? The last two years have been tough to live through, right? We've talked about it so much and it's kind of, I'm kind of glad to see a lot of the the cultural voices saying, let's move on, let's move forward. But the last two years have revealed some things, honestly. And and it's the first time for many of us that our commitment to our faith practices has been tested so rigorously. I mean, when our churches shut down two years ago, we, we closed for 15 weeks. Some are still closed, actually, in America. But many Christians wrestled with their commitment to God their faith in Jesus, their commitment to the church. In fact, people are leaving their churches as well as their faith in Christ since the pandemic. At one point, there was research that suggested one third of church attending self-identified Christians when the pandemic hit quit attending church, quit attending small groups, did not get online and watch, no longer to this day read their Bibles or even pray. The disruptions of the past two years have been costly and have revealed a terrible lack of real commitment. I'll be honest with you, there's, there's nothing this world could offer us that should stop us from following and loving Jesus. But the last two years have thrown some things at us, and a third of the American church has left the faith. That's just weird to me. Does it cost me anything? Like, like am I going to get up and tune in? Am I going to still go when it's stressful? Is it going to cost me anything to lean into my faith and to give more and to serve people even when our faith has been challenged? COVID was not an attack necessarily on the Christian faith, but COVID and the, the other realities of our culture have revealed maybe the weakness or the lack of commitment in many of our Christian faith. But as you read through the book of Acts, are you challenged to live out your faith with stronger commitment like they were? Do you see a difference in how they followed Jesus versus how we follow Jesus today? I mean, do we desire the same boldness and conviction for Christ? Has it actually cost us anything to follow the Lord? Do we see the same types of miracles and pressure like they did then? Notice I coupled miracles and pressure, victories and pain. I want to tell you, we serve the same God as they served in the book of Acts. Our world is full of the same types of mean people as we're in the book of Acts, and our world needs the same miracles and healings and salvations and revivals that we read about in the book of Acts. Do we want that any longer? Man, I've been curious in these last couple of weeks, what are we hoping for out of this series? I honestly don't believe God wanted me to preach through this book just to teach my church a cool history series or to simply give us better understanding of what the Bible says in the book of Acts. I believe God brought us to this series because the same God who moved in these people is the same God who wants to move in us. The same miracles that God did then are the miracles God wants to do now. The same revivals that God did in Acts are the revivals God wants to do in Clarksville and Arizona and at Austin P. The same pressures that they faced might be the same pressures we will face. But the same power that existed throughout the book of Acts is the same power of God that is available to us. The God of the book of Acts is the God of Life Point Church too. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? So, so why are we reading this book? Why are we studying this book? Why are we preaching through this book together? Something I'm reflecting on as we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of this series, and we've got another year to go. Well, we're gonna pick up in the next chapter, chapter 13. And they're not stopping their love for God. We, we kind of come to the end of this pressure, pressure chapter. Herod the king is arresting Christians and he's killed James, one of the close friends of Jesus and of Peter. He had arrested Peter, had him thrown in jail with the plan to execute him as well. The Lord sets him free. And then Herod goes bananas and God like messes with him and takes him out. We saw that two weeks ago in the message, which by the way, Uh, We paused last Sunday with our guest, Brian Jarrett. Was that not an amazing message? Drive the birds away. Come on, somebody. Thank you to Brian. But we're picking up, and after, after a passage with terrible pressure, like awful persecution in the church, the gospel keeps on keeping on. I just think about the last two years have been pressure for so many of us and many Christians struggled through their faith and it squandered their devotion to the church. It, it, it knocked them out of their commitments to their dream teams and their small groups and, and, and serving God and maybe even prayer. I've got, I've got numerous friends from our church that have not prayed or read their Bible since a, a pandemic. Many of them didn't even get COVID. And yet the cultural pressure, social, racial, political, financial, just knocked them out and knocked them out of a rhythm. And I'm thinking these guys actually went through some real stuff that like, like threat of death by sword and not that these things weren't real, but like they, none of us went through that and they kept on keeping on. Look with me, uh, I I talk about this, God keeps choosing and sending us out. Like the Lord doesn't get tired because we're tired. God doesn't get fatigued because of craziness. God doesn't go, well, you know, the world's kind of falling apart. So maybe I should just slow down a little bit. In fact, when the world is in pain, the church should be the solution. So watch, if we go back, Herod is being crazy and he killed James and he arrested Peter and then God takes Herod out. And right after that, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. That's what happens when life is hard, the gospel goes forth. When, when, when the culture is painful, the gospel keeps going. God, the word of God increased, the word of God multiplied. And then we have the people involved. It wasn't just God came down. Some people are like, I wish God would come out of heaven and do something in this world. And I think the Lord responds with, I wish you would get out of bed and do something in this world. I wish you would leave your comforts and do something in this world. God says, I gave you my presence. I came in the form of Jesus and I've given you my spirit to go do something in the world. So whenever God's up to something, he chooses some of us. So watch this, so Paul and Barnabas, returned from Jerusalem where they had completed their service, bringing them with them John, whose other name was Mark. Just for context, Herod kills James, Peter in prison. I told you all of that. And the word of God's moving forward. Nothing should stop the desire or the plan or the move of God moving forward in our world. Nothing, nothing should stop it. No matter who's elected, what happens with the economy, a great reset, or new world order, whatever, another war, nothing should stop the move of God, the plan of God, the word of God moving forward. No matter what you think about God, what's happening in the church and in our culture, listen, nothing stops the heart of God to reach people with the gospel. It is the hope of the world. And I want you to see that God uses people, Barnabas and Saul, who is now gonna be recognized as officially Paul who would be the apostle Paul. This is the beginning of a ministry partnership. Now we pick up in Acts chapter 13 verses 1 and 2. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Notice these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are these are ministry gifts and leadership gifts and the the prophets in the New Testament almost exclusively are the preachers. They're they're Bible preachers, they're prophesying to the people about God's call on their life, God's hand for them, and they're prophesying what God is doing in the earth. They're speaking about what the Lord is doing. Prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we just saw, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Notice their disciplines they're living in. They're in the church, They're in a time of prayer and fasting and worship. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. I want you to understand the importance of being the church. If you wanna see God move in our country, if you wanna see God move in our world, you need to start by going to church and being in the church and praying with your church and fasting with your church and seeing God do something, if he's gonna do it through the church, then we need to be the church. There are spiritual gifts at work in the church context. There are multiple leaders being developed and used by God. But as you see here, the call of God for Barnabas and Saul happened in the context of belonging to and participating in the church to belong to the church, to go to church. It's hard to be seen by God and to be used by God's people if you're not a part of God's family. Listen to me, I'm a huge believer in going to and participating in church. Before I was ever a pastor, I was a faithful regular church attender and church member and servant. In fact, since I've been a Christian, I don't think I've ever skipped church But that's not because I'm a pastor and work there. It's because I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and I love his church. And people go, our church is flawed and it's full of hypocrites. No, we ain't full yet. There's plenty of room and of course it's flawed. And where else do you want flawed people to be? Right now, there's an onslaught of attacks against the church, the enterprise, the leaders of churches all around the world. Listen, you focus on Jesus. You, you focus on the body of Christ getting better. You stay committed to a church group of people that are just as imperfect as you. Even leaders are flawed. Even leaders are imperfect. We're not here to follow leaders. We're here to follow Jesus but we do it in community and God puts gifts in the body. God puts leaders, but there's no way that Barnabas and Saul would have been seen by God or seen by his people or called out if they hadn't been a part of the church. Some of us read this and we think, well, yeah, Paul and Barnabas, they must've been Bible college grads and they were called to be pastors. We don't know they were called to ministry until right here. But you know what they were doing before right here? Going to church, serving the church, participating in the life of the church going to discipleship, being in small group, taking communion, rolling their eyes at craziness. I wanna challenge you, especially all of us that are watching still online. Listen to me and I'm, going to, I'm just gonna say it because I love you. It is so important for you to be with your church. Just like you know the difference in shopping online and shopping at Lowe's. Come on, somebody. Like I don't ever believe, I can't shop for clothes online. I'm a weird fit. I've sent more clothes back to the internet. Every time my wife tries to buy me something online, she goes, I saw this on a photo of, you know, whatever. And and I bought it for you. And it was on a skinny, good looking, like young shorts model. That ain't me, i send it back. There's a difference. I got to try clothes on, you know what I'm saying? And just the same as shopping for, you can't pick out your own melons on the internet. I don't know why that was what came to my mind just now. I don't even know. Thump them, listen, smell them. Anybody else do that with your cantaloupes? Come on now. Some of you youngsters are like, I buy my cantaloupe in a jar. I don't even get that. Listen, I wanna encourage you. There's nothing like being in the room with other people. Get off your couch, get in the room, brush your teeth, get your jammies out and put on some clothes and come on. For all of you that are in church rooms, now I'm talking to you guys, it is super important for you to exercise your gifts within your church. If all you do for church is show up, sit, listen, receive, and leave, look at me. You're not participating in your church. You are taking from those of us who are participating. And I get it, that's a place to start, but it is not a way to live. And it's not a place to end in your Christian life. It's so important that we exercise our gifts in the church. Here we see in the text, the gifts of prophets and teachers being exercised, the gifts they're praying and they're fasting. Listen, we see gifts of preaching and leadership and teaching. So what's your gift? Maybe God's putting you administration or helps or preaching or healing, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of administration, whatever it is, how can God use you at LifePoint Church? on a team serving others, you are a gift to the church. And if we're gonna be a church that sees the outcomes of the book of Acts, we gotta be a church that does the inputs of the Christians of the book of Acts. This is God's plan for every one of you, to serve God, serving people, serve your church somehow, be a part of it regularly, and use your gift to serve others. Am I yelling? I feel like I'm yelling. Notice though, in context of the church, because they're known, Barnabas and Saul didn't just show up to some meeting and all of a sudden get some supernatural encounter with God. They were known in the church. How many of you know that people want to, like, confirm what God is calling out in you? And they're going to be able to do that because you're around, and you're serving, and you're participating in this thing. So, Because they're known for being there, because they're known for serving, God shows up and sets Barnabas and Saul aside for ministry for God. They end up now going on their first missionary journey, it's what we call that, to preach and to teach and to bring healing and miracles and to start churches. But they were called by God from within their church. They didn't just come up with this idea on their own. They didn't just watch a bunch of clips of preachers and go, I could do that. God saw them faithful to the church And that's where he called them. Out of faithfulness to his church, God said, I'll use you in my church. God let the other people see the servant hearts of Barnabas and Saul and Paul. God called them from within their church. So let me just ask you a couple questions as I read this. Does God have the right in your life to disrupt your calendar and your career and your schedule? Does God have the right to disrupt your life and call you to do something great for him? Well, you say yes, right? like Barnabas and Saul had other jobs. Saul was a tent maker. Saul was back in Tarsus doing whatever. We don't even know what he was doing, but, but he wasn't like just going, I want to be a preacher one day. I want to be a pastor one day. No, no, no. God interrupted Saul and Barnabas. And the question I have for all of you church folks, like we say we want the book of Acts and life point, but does God have the right to interrupt you and to disrupt your Sundays and disrupt your midweeks and disrupt your life and call you to do something great for him. It's easy to read this and think God was setting them aside because they were already pastors. No, they weren't. But they were available to God. This brings me to my next question. Are, Are you and I, are we available to God to do something for God? Or are we only available when it fits our schedule and our budget? I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking to another service, is that right? Y'all aren't hearing me this morning. Is your family available to God? Do you have a hand up to the Lord saying, God, here am I, use me? Or do we have a hand up to the Lord going, God, I'll get back with you when I have some time? We try to make it easy for you at LifePoint to be used by God, right? We say get on a dream team, get into a small group, host a small group, serve on a serve day, but for real, does God have your permission, and this is, I'm asking it this way because I'm afraid that many of us actually think this is right, but does God have your permission to choose you and to send you to do something for him? Hopefully all of you would say yes. This is an easy place for you to say yes, amen. Does God have your permission to choose you and to send you to do something for him? Well, what about serving in your church? What about going on a missions trip this summer? What about leading in our special needs room in Kid Point? What about giving a huge offering? What about quitting your job because God wants you to work in vocational ministry? What about leaving another calling and another assignment that you thought you were pursuing to do something for God? Does, I, I just, I'm curious, does God have access to all of you? And does he have permission to send you to tell the gospel to your coworkers? and to tell them about Jesus or your classmates, does God have the freedom to set you aside and to use you to do something for him? You may not go on a missionary journey to Cyprus like Paul and Barnabas, but can he use you to go to your office? Can he use you to tell your neighbors about Jesus? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I think, I think part of reading the book of Acts is I'm convicted. I go, God, do, you still, do I still give you all of me? Eat me as a pastor. I do this for a living, like I'm a professional Christian. And I still have to say to the Lord, God, you can still do whatever you want with me. Like literally, I tell the Lord at times, it's like, if you don't ever want me here and you want me, do, you want me on the team serving another leader, God, however you want me here, I'm at your disposal to be used by God. I believe like Paul and Barnabas, God has an assignment on every one of your life. God has designed you with purpose and with his purpose. So here's what I'll tell you. You will have all the time that you need to do all that God wants you to do. You'll have all the money you'll ever need to do all that God wants you to do. You'll have all the right words to say to do all that God wants you to say. But can God call you? Can God use you? Can God set you aside and send you to do something? We look at Paul and Barnabas as these like mighty, mighty, just amazing leaders of the faith. Nope, they're just like you and me. They were just available to God. So are we? Should, are we available to God? I, I'm gonna tell you something as a church. We want to be a sending church. We want to be a church that sends people to the marketplace, that sends people to the university. That sends people into missions. That sends people into ministry. Has maybe God is stirring some of you right now when I'm talking about this. You, you've been wrestling with this. Maybe a call to missions or a call to be a pastor one day or to church plant or to be on staff at a church. And, and maybe God's stirring that in you, or maybe God's putting you a desire to share share the gospel with somebody else. And you've just not you've just thought, well, that's just me thinking. It's bad coffee. No, no, no. Does God have the right to disrupt your life and to use him for his glory? Can he start with your Sundays? Can he start with a serve day? Can he start with your midweek small group life? Can God be, like, have access to you to use you for his glory? We wanna be a sending church that sees people set aside by God for missions and ministry and serving in our community and preaching the gospel. We wanna raise up missionaries out of our church and pastors and church planters. And if that's something God stirred in you, we wanna fan the flame for that. You don't have to do church like us. You need to do church like God's called you to do it and missions and ministry. But we wanna be a church where God can stir people up because we're gonna keep on keeping on. As hard as this world gets, the bigger we want the gospel to be. Y'all get anything out of this so far? I feel like I'm preaching my guts out up here and I'm just making everybody mad. Second, the gospel is a message on the move. Like that's what it is. The gospel is not just something we tuck away in our heart and hide it in our bosom, just hold it close, me and Jesus. No, 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 it's a message to be told. I'm always amazed at Christians who love sports and sports teams and talk about that way more than they talk about the God who saved them from eternal hell. Oh my gosh, did you see what happened with LeBron? No. I don't care about none of that stuff. I really don't. My wife always gets mad at me every year at March Madness because I'm three days into the, con- the, the um, tur- contest. Yeah, that's how much I love it. <laughs> I'm three days into the tournament going, did I get a bracket this year? <laughs> like, I don't even know. I'm just, that's not my passion, whatever. But I'm always amazed, and I don't care if you love sports. Do you love the gospel that much? Do you love the story of what what God's doing in the earth? Let me tell you a cool story that I heard just two nights ago. Mike Campbell, our missions pastor, was in Ghana for a month. Did you guys know that you sent him to Ghana for a month? And he was out there preaching and teaching. He preached like dozens of times. And he said, Pastor Mike, one of the coolest things, this lady came up to me in a service with a giant growth on her neck and I laid hands and prayed over her, and instantly it was removed before our eyes." Come on, somebody. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Jesus. We, talk, we sing it, right? Let's talk about it. This is a message on the move. Look at this, verse three. After fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Twice we see them fasting and praying in this text. They were, they were while fasting and praying, the Lord said, set them apart for me. So then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands and sent them. They didn't go, you guys are special Christians. Well, you know, let's just do whatever. No, they sent them off to do missions. It's great, and again, in the church context, they're seeking God in prayer and fasting, This is a church seeking God to be sent by God. We we serve a personal God who desires to be known by you and to be sought by you and to be used by you. And God wants us to seek him in prayer and fasting saying, God, what do you want from my life? The apostolic leaders laid hands on them, sent them into ministry. Notice they were sent to do ministry. I want all of you to realize you have a message to share because you know Jesus. It may be in a law office, it may be in a hospital, it may be in your classroom as a student. You have a message to share of the gospel of Jesus, and it is a message on the move. Don't just rely on your pastor to tell the gospel. You be sent, just like they laid hands on them now as I'm saying this over you, experience me just leaning my hands on you and say, be sent to share the gospel into your city. Tell the gospel, it's a message. Listen, the gospel is not to be kept in your heart. It's to be sent into every area of your life. Do not let the gospel of Jesus be just for you. It's a message to go away, to give to others. So look at this, verse four and five. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were, went down to Seleucia, and from there they, were, they sailed to Cyprus, a little island in the Mediterranean. And When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And again, John is assisting them. This is the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, and they, they went to the island nation of Cyprus to preach to the existing Jewish synagogues, because that's, you know, that's where they started with gospel. They start going to those that have a, a, a Messiah theology and they're waiting on the coming Messiah, and so they go there first. And then they're also preaching to non-religious people as well. And I'll touch on that in a moment, because they had this massive power dynamic here, encounter. But I just want you to see that Christianity is a sent faith. And some of us have given into this attitude that, I don't know enough, I haven't been saved long enough, or, Talking about Jesus is something for ministers to do, but we're gonna keep my faith private, just like my faith and my politics, that's just for me. No, 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 that's just not what the Bible says to do. And the, the, the gospel is not just for preachers. My job, my job as a pastor is actually to equip you to go tell others about Jesus. Your job is to tell people about Jesus. You're gonna reach your neighbors. You're gonna reach your, your coworkers. You're gonna reach your family for Christ. I'm here to equip you to do that as a pastor. Do you understand that? So when John comes along to help them, we don't see much about what John actually did, but that he was their assistant. And we see that he's with them. He's on the road with Paul and Barnabas serving, helping, coming along. And I'm, I'm really humbled by the partnership. It, it causes me to ask the question, what am I sharing with others and where is God sending me and who is God sending with me? Can I tell you something? Who you do this Christian life with is incredibly important. This is why we want you in small groups. We insist that you be in small groups because who you do this life with, like we don't see much about John at all except he was there ride or die. He was helping out, he was just present with them. And who you do this Christian life with may be part of the struggles we have with living faithfully to Christianity is because we're not doing life faithfully with other faithful Christians. I just wanna encourage you like this is a sent faith and we are to do it in community with other people. We encourage you to be on a dream team serving God with others. Some people don't wanna be on a team anywhere because they go, I don't know what gifts I have, I don't know what good I would be at at a church or serving on a serve team. Come around the rest of us that feel the same way and you will be lifted up and encouraged to do this thing that God's called you to do. Can I hear an amen, everybody? You will enjoy your Christian life so much more if you'll do this life with other Christians. And remember, this gospel is a message meant to be on the move, to be told to others. We're gonna keep on keeping on, we're gonna keep telling the gospel to people and it should be done with others. So who's doing life with you? Who's doing this Christian life with you? I'm always amazed at Christians who don't have any Christian friends. I I can't even understand that. It'd be like football players showing up to play a game with no linemen or no other players. You are in the fight for your soul. And I'm telling you what, man, this world is in the fight of its soul. And we gotta do this as a team. We gotta do this together. If you don't have any Christian friends, look around the room right now. Judge somebody as friendly and get their number. You look friendly, can I get your number? You not so much, I don't want your number. You ma'am, like can I have your number too? You look like you enjoy a good time, can we hang out? You know, like judge somebody and get a friend. Get on our website, join a small group. Can I hear an amen, everybody? It's a message on the move and it's meant to be done in relationship and community. Finally, and this is the interesting end of this passage that we're looking at, there is incredible power with the gospel. I mean, when Mike Campbell told me that story in Africa, that lady healed instantly while he was praying. I'll be honest, I was a little jealous. I was like, man, can I have a goiter show up at Rossview Road Church, and can I, can I lay hands on somebody and see that kind of miracle? Seriously, like I'm going, can I have some kind of issue like that show up here? Then I started reflecting, I'm like, man, he put himself out there in a position, and he said to me, I was like, man, that's amazing, and he looks at me, he goes, man, that's all they got is God. They don't just rush to the doctor. She's been carrying that thing for years all, and that's all they got is God. First big moment Paul and Barnabas have in their preaching ministry is what we call a power encounter with a false prophet, a guy using magic and sorcery. Watch what happens in verse six. So when they had gone through the whole island of Cyprus, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. This is a very confused man. <laughs> he's a magician, a Jewish false prophet with the name of Je- Bar means son of. So he's taking the name like I'm Jesus' son. But he's far enough removed away from Jerusalem. He's probably getting away with it with all of his sorcery and whatnot. So he comes upon a guy He's a Jewish false prophet, magician, calling himself Bar-Jesus, not even his real name, we'll see in a minute, it's really Elmas. He was with the proconsul, which is like a governing official named Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who had summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So this leader, this this proconsul was like really curious about the gospel. So he calls for Saul and Barnabas. But this false prophet named Bar-Jesus is hanging close. This guy was using the name of Jesus to build his own brand. He was a false prophet using a version of the gospel to help himself. He was close to a political figure named Sergius, known for intelligence. And this this guy wants to hear about Jesus, but Bar-Jesus was jealous. And he confronts Paul and Barnabas. Look at what happens in verse eight. Elemas, the magician is his real name. That's the meaning of his name. He opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith because he's a false prophet. Can I tell you something? Our world is still trying to turn people away from Jesus. Our culture is trying to turn people away from the gospel. Our culture is trying to turn people away and massage the gospel to fit their selfishness and their sinfulness. And there is tons of false Christ, tons of false prophecies, tons of false theology that is permeating our culture, trying to turn people away from God. But look at what Paul and Barnabas say, look at this. But Saul, who is also called Paul, here's where we get this. This is why we call him, the first time in your Bible where we see Saul is now Paul, the apostle, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why he's filled with the Holy Spirit? Because he goes to church, he spends time with God, he's had his hands laid on, he's been fasting and praying, he does life as a Christian, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, looks intently at this bar Jesus and says, you son of the devil. Man, I'm gonna tell you what, you wanna talk Bible? Call somebody out like that one day. That is bold. You son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, this is good pastoring right here. I'm about to, woo, man, come at me. Look at this, he goes, and now behold, The hand of the Lord is upon you. Some of us would rather choke somebody out ourselves, but you need to let God deal with these liars, these deceivers. We get so mad at at bad Christians and bad pastors, and we get so mad at all the craziness of the world, you need to call God to sick on somebody. He said, now the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind. Paul understood when God makes you blind, didn't he? That was actually redemptive for Paul. And I wonder if he thought it'd be redemptive for Bar-Jesus too. He said, the hand of God's on you. You're going to be blind, but just for a time. Oh, that's soft. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. That's what happened to Paul. That's how he got converted. I think Paul had a moment of compassion going, you need to give your life to God. And just like he did it to me, God's going to help you too. And I I wanna remind every one of you, as you see craziness in this world, remember crazy was you and the same God who changed you is the God who wants to change them. And so we need to have a boldness. Listen, we need to have a boldness that says, that's false, that's not true. That's not what God wants for this world. And then we need to say, may God have mercy on you. May God wreck your life and change you forever. May God set you free from what you're walking through. But listen, God was protecting his mission And God wants to be glorified. I read this text and I go, man, Lord, how do I get that kind of power? (laughs) Well, where's the power of God in the church today? Can God still move powerfully in your life and job and family? Can God still do miracles in and through you? The answer is yes. But what's different in Saul and me is availability is connection and commitment to God and his church and his gospel. Does God have the right to hush the haters? Does God wanna use us and work through us? Maybe God would do miracles in you and through you if you and I would commit to move the gospel forward no matter what it costs. Maybe if we would say, God, you can use me however you want, then God would give us more of his power. We serve a powerful, God, we are full of the Holy Spirit. We all have the same power as Paul and Barnabas. And I believe that if we would go all in with living for Jesus, if we would commit to moving his gospel forward, God would give us more of his power in this crazy world. Can I hear an amen, everybody? I gotta close, I'm out of time. No matter what happens in our world and how tough it gets and no matter how hard it is to live for God, we will keep on keeping on The mission of God, the gospel of Jesus will continue on forever. You might get offended, you might get tired, you might get discouraged, but listen, this gospel keeps going and this church is about the gospel which means we are gonna keep on keeping on. The church is part of your life. Embrace it and enjoy it, serve it, participate in it, be in small groups, serve on a team, ask God for more of his presence and more of his power. Let us pray over you, let us lay hands on you, let your pastor send you out to your city, your community, your neighborhood to share the gospel. Our world is full of pain and wickedness and full of the need of the gospel. The church in the book of Acts was full of power and solutions for this world. And I believe the same God that oversaw that church It's the same God that wants to oversee our church. The difference is not the God of the two churches. The difference is the people in the two churches. And if we want the outcomes of God there, we should do the inputs of the people there. We should be so devoted to the scripture and the things of God, so devoted to life together, moving the ministry forward, overcoming offense, saying yes to forgiveness, loving one another, bearing with one another. You know what that means? putting up with folks. Praise the Lord. As we close today, before anybody leaves, I wanna take a moment, pray over us and commission us to be a church that's sent. If you're gonna be a church that's sent, you have to be a, a Christian who's open to God, to his move in your life. And I'm just feeling inspired by the Holy Spirit to restate that in my own life. So I just wanna know, does anybody else feel God saying, I want more of you, and you're ready to say, yes, Lord, you can have all of me. Anybody else besides me, come on. Join it online, you'd say, that's me, that's me, that's me. <clears throat> I don't really know what to do with a text like this. I feel like there's a heaviness to it that we need to make sense of. The first thing we need to do is just go back to God and say, Lord, here I am. You can have all of me, use me any way you see fit. Father, in Jesus' name, God, would you open us, open our spirits and our hearts to say, Lord, here am I, use me. God, would you forgive us of protecting our faith and protecting our calendars and protecting our comforts? God, would you forgive us of that? And Lord, would you remind us like you did in the book of Acts that there's a great power in what you wanna do in the earth and you wanna do it through your church. So God, I pray, We would say, Lord, whatever you want to do in our city, whatever you want to do in our families, let it come through us. Let it go through us because we're available to you. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord God, that you forgive us and redeem us. God, you reconcile us back to your mission and your ministry. Can everybody pray this with me? Say, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me so that I can live for him. All the days of my life, I confess my sin, I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. And now say this, say, Lord, I'm open to an assignment from God to live my life in a way that pleases you, that serves you, that does all that you've asked me to do to the glory of God, not for me, but for you in Jesus' name. Can you open your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm all in. Say, God, whatever you want, I'm yours in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, amen, everybody. Amen.